What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. This is Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's Resistance in Residence artist is actor, director, intimacy coordinator, Janae Simon. Hello, Janae. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Kat. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Been been waiting, actually, for a hot minute to have this conversation. So thrilled to have you here. Janae, I want to start with a little bit about you and specifically where and how you grew up. What was your family like? Yeah, so I, um, my family is from Guyana in South America. Um, so I am West Indian. Uh, but we we came to the States when I was four. So I mean, basically, I'm from New Jersey. Um, and I actually am talking to you from New Jersey right now. Um, so I, I came to New Jersey when I was four and then uh, came out to the West Coast for college, teased my parents a little bit by coming back to the East Coast and then um, settled on the West Coast. But most of my family is back in New Jersey. And uh, and my grandma, I actually, since I'm at home right now, I get to see my grandma, which is always a pleasure. So I need to learn how to cook some <laughs> some dishes well, you just said the magic words, and my listener knows that you said the word grandma. I love talking about grannies. Tell us a bit about yours and how um, she influenced uh, you coming up as little Janae. Oh, well, I mean, I am so grateful to her. Uh, so my grandmother's name is Agnes. Uh, and so, um, you know, my my mom is the first of seven and um, my, my grandmother and my grandfather were back in Guyana, and um, my grandfather was actually a carpenter. Uh, and he, he got hurt one day and realized that, um, you know, my grandmother was staying at home and taking care of these seven amazing children, but there was this moment in the family where it was like, oh, okay, she needs to, to change that path. And so she had to leave, like, her little kids and um, she went off and was able to study to become a nurse um, and did that, but then had an opportunity being in Guyana to come to the States. And so she was able to do that, but couldn't, of course, write. Um, I say, of course, mockingly, but couldn't join the medical profession. So she started, you know, taking care, like working in people's homes, right? Um, but then Abel was, was able to uh, then get into the nursing profession and was able to bring all of her children <laughs> and their spouses um, over to the state. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had many of the opportunities that I that I've had if it wasn't for her having the the guts, the tenacity, um, the humility, the all of the things. So I owe everything that I am to to her, and I'm incredibly grateful. And what about your parents, your mama, your daddy? Tell tell us a bit about them. Yeah, um, my mom is a, uh, well, she retired, she's a school teacher. And I like to say that I am a teacher's daughter, which is to say that um, anytime my mother would be discussing students with other teachers in front of me, like I couldn't say anything, couldn't see anything. And so I keep secrets very, very well. That is something that is like core to my being, Um, but my mom, is definitely an educator. And so, uh, you know, also being an immigrant <laughs> and having a parent that was an educator, like the 
it, it, you know, getting A's or doing well in school or at least trying and, and um, really putting myself out there in terms of academics. Like that was something that was definitely important to my, to my family. Um, my dad did something in, in finances. He worked for FINRA. Um, I went to a, you know, take your daughter to work day, but I don't understand all of the ins and outs. When mathematics comes up, I tend to tune out. Uh, but he did that for a very long time. <laughs> he did that for a long time. And, um, and those are my parents. And I have uh, two older brothers and am the only daughter. So for my listeners who don't know, uh, Janae, I, I met Janae because Janae is the only other actress outside of myself to say the words of Tasha in my one woman show about Tasha McKenna, who was murdered, tased to death in the Fairfax County Jail in 2015. Janae is a brilliant, breathtaking actress. Janae, when did you discover the theater? I, from young. I have this memory. Um, I think it's one of the only plays that my, my grandma has seen me in, but my entire family member, um, like my family came to, to watch me and I was uh, in high school. It was, it was a silly play. I was, in a, I was in a box for a long period of time. And then I came out and my grandmother says, Howard be your name, because that was the start of the, the monologue. But uh, I loved performance um, from when I was really young. And so I tried to do it any way I could. You know, I would do theater and then there was something called, you know, mock trial. And I wasn't really interested in being a lawyer, but I could act like one. And so I did that. Um, there was something called forensics, which, you know, I got to basically do monologues and, and to compete doing monologues. So any kind of storytelling, I was there. You know, I wanted to, to explore and to build characters. So starting from, from when I was younger, doing it, doing it in high school, doing it in college. Um, yeah, just telling stories was, was always a desire of mine. Janae, I often say that the theater saved my life. Like I literally would not be here had I not discovered the theater. It was for me as a black child in America, a black mixed race child in America, my safe place. What did theater provide for you as a young black child in this country? Yeah, yeah I... I think a lot about, like when I talk to anyone that is considering going to college uh, or in college, I'm like, take time, you know, stop out or wherever you are on your journey. If you feel like it's not for you, pause because you don't have to continue down that path. And stepping back is always really, really amazing. For me, theater was, um, you know, going to school, I, you know, I'm from New Jersey, but I went to school out in California and, and I had all this bravado of like, that's, you know, that's nothing, <laughs> but it was a lot. It was a lot to adjust um, to college. And I think I spent a lot of the time really depressed actually. Uh, and so the only classes that I was excited to go to, the only classes where I felt safe to learn, the only classes where I was, you know, I would hand things in and I, I would come to, to class and I would wanna be critiqued or I'd wanna see how I could grow, that would be theater. Like that was a place where I felt safe and like it was my home in a time when when there was a lot of adjustment and I, I I wasn't feeling that in many other places so it's it's always been my respite and it's been the place that I feel fearless which means that I take many risks um I'm the riskiest that I am in my life when I'm in a theater 
Janae, I watched you descend into the role of Tasha, literally wearing her externally, internally for your time period with that piece. Talk to us about your creative process, the development of a role for you. Mm. I like to work, I mean, outside in, inside out, what have you. I mean, the what drew me to Tasha was many things. A, being able to take up space and tell this story that needed to be heard and needed to be seen and standing in front of people and demanding that they see and hear and witness. Um, and the ability, you know, in the characters that you wrote, just to be able to play so many different characters and, and to be terrible or to be kind. So I just love to work from the, the outside in. So I like to figure out how does a character move? Um, and then looking at the language, how does the language feel in my mouth? And does that tell me anything about who this character is and how they take up space? Uh, do they ramble? So do they, do they move quickly in their head? How does that translate to their body? Uh, and so looking for any clues that can give me insights into how this person moves in the world and then moving in this space as them. I, what I loved about Tasha and some, like there were a couple times where I was like, oh no, that, that wasn't a good show. Um, but because when I felt really in, in Tasha, right? I was able to embody these characters and, and I could feel their energy like reverberating around me. And so even if I was the nurse, I could feel Tasha, I could feel Mama, I could feel everyone on stage. And so creating a character from the outside in, from the inside out and having it reverberate and feeling the energy of that character, that's what I, that's what I try to figure out, you know, how does this character move? What is their energy? And at times when I felt really held on stage within that show, it was when I was able to really invest in creating the energies of the people that shared the stage with me. So I wasn't alone. Janae, and, and my other work, uh, as someone who works on eradicating state terror um, in this country, I've been thinking a lot about trauma and the trauma of Black folks specifically um, as an inhibitor of liberatory struggle and sort of landed in this place personally, professionally, organizationally, that if we're not processing our trauma, figuring out how to release our trauma, right, then we can't fight, right? Then everything else we're doing is putting Band-Aids on gunshot wounds. And I was having that conversation with myself just as, you know, you were getting ready to mount Tasha. And I started to think about, too, that as Black storytellers, that we are often, again, sitting in our trauma, right? That we are telling stories about our trauma. We are performing our trauma. We are embodying our trauma. And then we're sent off along our way, right, onto the next yeah. project. And so we did something with Tasha, which was bring healing justice practitioners into the space. So a two-part question for you. How do you hold, process, transmute the the interplay of trauma you know both as a black person in this country and as someone that is telling black stories on stage and then the second part what was it like to also be actively engaged in an h-day process as you were telling that story i i think about this a lot and i think tasha was um an opportunity to like practice what <laughs> i preach or teach or talk about um and it, and it was still challenging right like um uh, one of the things when when we talk about 
intimacy, we talk about um, as an intimacy coordinator, director, what have you, um, we talk about being able to de-roll, right? To, to step inside to a character and to inhabit that character and then to step away, right? To, to separate ourselves from, from this character, to, to ground ourselves in, in who we are, um, and, and that was still challenging, right? Because I was, was stepping into Tasha and then I was grounding myself and I'm still a, a black woman that's facing so many of the same uh, traumas, right? That, that, that she experienced. And so that was, that was a really challenging moment to, you know, to see like, what are the other aspects of self-care that I have? How can I meditate? How can I, I would take a hot shower when I came home every day just to to try to wash Tasha off of my body and ground myself in, in who I am. Um, I would try to really eating well. I mean, when I think about, um, you know, who has access to, you know, to, to, to food that can be prepared, who has, um, uh, who has access to like a comfortable living situation. These are all things that that are so essential and, and such um, important aspects of, of how we care for ourselves. And I think there's a, a really big opportunity to even hold theater makers or any individual and to figure out like what, what are the needs that we have and how can we support those individuals within those needs. Um, but I, I loved that uh, healers were available in this space and for Tasha, and I think what it what it created also was was a, a space for people to decompress, to just sit either in silence or to be talking with each other, and then to to witness other individuals investing in themselves and taking time to to sit with our healers, to do sound therapy, to 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 focus on touch. Um, and so I really appreciated that not only having the healers there, but the space that it engendered, where it was, it was okay to, to sit and to process. Um, and sometimes you take things with you and, and that's life. And, and how can you, as you take that with you, try to care for yourself going forward. Intimacy choreographer, what is that? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, well, <laughs> it's, um, I think it's it's twofold, right? And so when I talked to and I had the opportunity to talk to to students, and I love working with early career actors um, to really set expectations. But uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm there to remind actors of their boundaries and of their agency. Um, telling these, reminding these individuals uh, that they are artists. We are all artists, and we can create a scene and we are the ones that are creating the scene, right? The, the, the writing on the paper doesn't dictate what we do. Our imagination dictates what we do. And so we can work within the boundaries of any actor to tell any story. And so that is first and foremost, the most important aspect of me, of me being in the room. Um, then the other aspect is to, you know, choreograph, um, an intimate scene, which could be a scene with some element of sexuality, a kiss, touch. Uh, it could be a scene that has 
height that has, you know, uh, elements of like sexual violence or, or heightened moments. Um, so it could be many things, uh, but I'm there to provide that outside eye to, to really make sure that what we're doing on stage is telling a story. And, and how did you come into to that piece of storytelling and intimacy choreographer? Yeah, well, I did this show um, with Cutting Ball Theater called La Ronde. Uh, and Maya Herbsman was the intimacy director. And that was, I, I'd known Maya and uh, as a friend and appreciated her. And that was my first time ever working with an intimacy uh, coordinator. And, and it was, Laron was a really interesting piece uh, because it was typically played by a cast of 10, right? It was, um, it, w- it would have five different couples and they'd have, heightened moments of like some kind of like sexual intrigue, something would happen that was intimate in nature between these five different couples that were played by 10 people. And, and uh, Cutting Ball did it with two people. <laughs> and so it was myself and my fellow actress. And uh, we were telling these, you know, these stories, um, these, sorry, 10 different stories. And we were telling them and sharing creating these heightened moments and they were so different and they, you know, could be abstract. And so working with Maya was really amazing because we were able to really dig into, Hey, this is where I feel comfortable. This is how I feel comfortable with my body on stage. Um, This is, you know, my like reptile brain (laughs) doesn't poke out at this moment. And like Janae is no longer present, but like I can be in the character because we are within my boundaries and I feel safe. I feel safe in this massive exploration we're about to take. And so we created these stories and I just loved, I was really intrigued. Like I said, I, I'm the, the riskiest, the bravest that I ever feel it's on stage. And, and I think it's important to like, I can only be brave and like risky quote unquote risky because I know what my, what the boundaries are. Right, like if I felt actively unsafe on stage, then I I would not be able to be as big as I am, and I just found myself being able to be big and dynamic and you know weird and uh, sexual and just all of these things, and so that that was really exciting to me because it was, um, I mean, it's such an essential aspect of storytelling. Like a kiss is not just a kiss, right? It's communicating something. And so I loved that and then started to um, study with a couple of different uh, organizations. There's ICOC, Intimacy Coordinators of Color, uh, IDC, Intimacy Directors and Coordinators, uh, many other organizations. And so I, yeah, I just wanted to learn more and to figure out how I could create braver spaces for other actors to, to explore. The name of the segment is Resistance and Residence. And Janae, I'm interested in where you see the role of theater makers, storytellers, Black theater makers and storytellers in this particular moment of the movement for Black liberation. I think it's really important to to tell the stories of people that may not be seen or witnessed. I think it's important for us to witness and to explore what, what black liberation means and, and to explore that from an artistic lens. I think there's so much that you can do um, within theater that doesn't just ground you in the way that things are. It, it, 
can free us and open us up to the way that things can be. Um, and I think that we are able to, when we're sitting in a dark room together, there's so much more empathy that we can have for each other. And, and so I, that's what I love about being able to tell stories, creating a space where we're all sitting together. I love uh, the idea of creating a space where we can learn together and be vulnerable together. And how do you balance that vision with what is very often very white controlled world of theater arts? Yeah. I think that's, that's important, right? That's like, who is the story for? Um, I've started to, I don't know how I balance that yet. Uh, I've started, I, I've been asking myself questions around who do we create this work for? And, and if it's, if the outcome is telling stories that center blackness on stage, that center amazing black actors, and it's for an entirely white audience, like that's just not something that I'm about. Um, it, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the show. I saw oh, Ellen Sebastian Chang did the show in Oakland, um, kind of right, right around the time that, that, that Tasha was happening in, in San Francisco. And, and it was, um, it was wild and beautiful. And it was all of these, um, black and non, um, uh, female and non-binary individuals, um, on stage. And it was for an audience of like our peer. It was a diverse audience, right? There were black folks, there were Asian folks, there were all folks. And I think that's important, right? Like who is the audience? Who are we cultivating? Because, because that's the lens these stories <laughs> will have. And I think it's really important to just think about the lens. Who is it for? Um, and if it is an all white audience and how can we change that? Because I don't really want to create art only for a white audience. Um, at this point in time, that's just not something I'm excited by. All right, Janae Simon, we've got to leave it there. Y'all are listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. This week's Resistance and Residence artist is actor, director, and intimacy coordinator, choreographer, Janae Simon. Janae, thank you so much. Thanks, Kat. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. Our Resistance and Residence theme music was composed by Jesse Strauss. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listeners. If you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>